This is the Ag Queen Podcast. This podcast explores the agriculture industry with the movers and shakers of those shaping it. Here's your host, Lori Boyer. Hello, everyone, and welcome here to the podcast today. I'm Lori Boyer, and I am joined by Carrie Rinker, and she is a woman of ag. So I can, I'm excited I get to say that now on some of these new things I'm doing. And Carrie, I, I don't remember. It's been a little while since we booked this interview, and I know we've had to rebook a couple of times. So I don't exactly remember, but I came across you somewhere in some of my networking. And what really wanted me to get reach out to you and, and get a hold of you and be able to talk to you is your passion for agriculture, but how you're using your passion for agriculture to help other agriculturalists. So as we know, in agriculture, you have to have a little bit of everything. You have to be a doctor, or a lawyer, an engineer trash taker out or a little bit of everything, but knowing what goes on behind the scenes with law is really important. And is that kind of what got you started down this field? Uh, yeah. I mean, I grew up in production agriculture. I grew up on um, a beef cattle farm actually in central Illinois in a very small town of about 5,000 people. And at that time growing up, I didn't really know what lawyers did. I didn't really understand it. And, you know, it was something in the back of my head that I was considering. But it was actually an experience I had in Washington, D.C., working on Capitol Hill that sort of led me more towards the law. During that summer, I was able to get to know a lot of different lawyers and learn more about how law and policy really affects um, production agriculture. And um, since then, I just have really had a heart and a passion for it. Carrie, tell me a little bit more about that particular experience. Was that through like a youth organization? You know, at the time, I was actually a student at Texas A&M University. I got my bachelor's degree from Texas A&M, and they had a prestigious uh, internship program. Uh, it was called the uh, Congressional Internship Program that focused on agriculture and environmental policy. So I actually worked for a Texas congressman. I worked for Kevin Brady, who um, is actually, I think, um, the majority leader um, for the Ways and Means Committee at this point in time. So at that point, I was a constituent of his living in College Station, Texas. And that was my really my first experience living in any kind of metropolitan area, much less, you know, our nation's capital. So it was you know, I felt a little bit like country girl comes to town, but it was a great experience. I'm getting to know things from the inside out. So you mentioned then you were in Washington, D.C. at an event, and that's kind of where you sparked your interest for law. Yeah, I I actually was living at the Georgetown Law Dorms, believe it or not, right on Capitol Hill. I would walk to work every single day to um, to to the house side of Congress, to the Capitol Hill. And um, that's, you know, where I went to work every single day and various networking events and getting to know other lawyers um, in the agriculture community, you know, and specifically, I remember going to the American Agro Women, they would be there, you know, sponsoring an event. And, you know, I just really saw like the marriage of food and agriculture, in addition to the law, and I saw how, how it could really impact our community. I love that. I'm glad you said that because that was going to be kind of where I headed next with this interview was talking about, well, first off, tell us more about your specialty and then we'll talk about like how you're combining all that to give back to the industry. But your specialty is in ag. Is there a niche within that niche? 
That's a good question. So agriculture law is very difficult to define because it is an industry-based practice as opposed to a practice area. So for example, some lawyers might say, I do criminal law, right? I do traffic law. I do environmental law or I do bankruptcy law. But the, the, the thing that makes agriculture law interesting is it really is every kind of law, but it's geared towards a specific industry because even those um, areas of law that I just mentioned, criminal law, you know, that actually impacts agriculture. There could be a rancher out West that might get a criminal trespass ticket or the same thing that I mentioned with environmental law. We're all cognizant of the fact that there's the Clean Water Act and perhaps the Clean Air Act that affect production agriculture. Bankruptcy law, there's a special code in the bankruptcy law specifically for farmers. So agriculture law is very broad. So it's difficult for an attorney to really master all of those areas. So uh, attorneys like myself tend to gravitate towards a couple specific areas. For me, my passion really is with estate planning and succession planning. I help um, farmers also with contracts, even special, special contracts such as embryo transfer agreements, farm leases, so on and so forth. Um, I get into trademarks and other kind of business um, interests as well. So those are sort of like my focus areas. And if you talk to another agricultural lawyer, they might have different focus areas. What made you choose those particular areas? Did you have a personal experience or is this just kind of some, a, a passion that you have within your passion? Yeah, there's a saying that with lawyers that you don't find your practice, your practice finds you. So sometimes it is a little bit of trial and error um, on what, you know, sort of clicks with you and your clients. I myself come from a multi-generational farm family. And so I think because of that, I've had such a passion for farms transferring from one generation to the next. And that's one of the reasons why I've been pulled towards estate planning. Basically, contracts sounds like that's your main thing. And I know you had some stuff underneath all of those, including the succession planning, which is still there's still contracts involved in that. What are some common mistakes or common um things that people do that if they could do over, you would tell them not to do? You know, one of the biggest things in agriculture that I see with contracts specifically is not getting them written down. I feel that um, agriculture is a very trusting community. People are oftentimes doing business with people that they know and trust, even family members, friends. There's handshake agreements, gentleman agreements, or gentle women agreements, I guess, all over the place. But, you know, more often than not, these agreements are oral as opposed to being written down. And you don't find that really, at least to that level in any other industry. And so sort of my challenge or that I would have for the agriculture community is to treat it like you would any business, even though you're doing doing business with your family or your friends. It does not mean that you do not trust them. You're just wanting to try to memorialize the terms of those agreements. Because when I get the phone call, things are going wrong. And then the very first question that I ask them is, can you send me the contract? And sometimes I get a blank stare. <laughs> so so 
I, I think that's the biggest problem and the biggest hurdle that I see. Okay. The good information right there. So good advice to, to folks who are listening in. You are currently based in Illinois, right? That's right. Yeah, I live right outside of Champaign. I have a small little farmette. Um, and so I'm, a, I'm a, about an hour and 20 minutes from my hometown where I grew up. Do you have clients all over the country or do you have to stay kind of right in your area? I do. I have clients all over the country. So I, I lived and practiced law in New York for about a decade of my life. So I still maintain an office there in the heart of Manhattan. Um, and then I have two offices in Illinois, both in Shelbyville, my hometown, and then also in Champaign. So my, my food and my agriculture practice tends to be more national. Um, I am licensed in, you know, a handful of states, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Illinois, Kentucky, Texas, Washington, D.C., but um, some agriculture law issues are federal law. For example, um, trademarks. Trademarks is a federal law issue. I can handle a trademark issue for a farmer in Michigan the same way that I can handle somebody in Champaign, Illinois. And, and just as we're speaking over a video conference technology, I mean, I think a silver lining for with COVID has been um, that using video conference technology um, is making a geographic limitations go away, you know, so um, I'm able to represent people on federal issues wherever they are. And if it is a state-specific issue, for example, I have a rancher in Colorado that wants me to help with, um, you know, a multi-generational estate plan or some other issue in Colorado. I can just work with a Colorado agriculture attorney and um, have them shadow me, perhaps we're working in tangent. And that's how I'm able to be involved with um, agriculture producers from coast to coast. I see. Hey, Carrie, you are on the, a younger side here. So I want to just talk to you a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit more on a personal level. Being a younger female in this industry, how does it feel? What kind of response do you get from people? You know, sometimes it's like, um, it doesn't even phase me that I'm a female. I feel very comfortable. But then there's other times when I realize that I'm the only female in the room. Um, for example, I have been on a livestock judging committee at a contest before. And it wasn't until I was about five classes in when I realized, oh my goodness, I'm the only female on this committee. Or I'll be at a panel and I'll be one of the presenters on the panel. And then about halfway through the conference, I'll look from side to side and I'll realize I'm the only female there. So at times it hits me. Um, but on other times, I just feel, you know, very much part, a part of the community. I don't feel that I'm necessarily treated differently um, because I am a woman, but I am certainly aware at certain moments that, hey, there's not a lot of females here in this room right now. What would you say empowers you personally? Oh, that's a million dollar question. I think what drives different people um, is is different for everyone. And that answer might change from, from time to time in their life. I can tell you for, for example, I became a mother about nine months ago. And so my, my drive now is to 
really not only to be a great mother for my child, but to have him be proud of me, know that he has a strong mother. And I am really passionate about making sure that he grows up in production agriculture because it has made such a strong difference in who I am today. Congratulations. And I love that answer. That was a great answer. What would you say to another young woman? Maybe they're getting into law or maybe some other professional type field. What as a piece of advice you could pass along to her? So uh, my biggest piece of advice is to really try to network as much as you can. And, And it is never too early to start building relationships with people. Still today, I am doing business with with people that I met in law school or people that I know in undergrad. You know, one of my my attorney colleagues I work with, I went to Texas A&M with and I've known since I was 20 years of age. And so no matter where you are in your life, relationships matter. And, And I'm not saying to look at every person in your life, like how can this person help me? But just the opposite, be thinking about how you can help those other people and start building those relationships and expanding your network. Um, That would be my biggest piece of advice for young people. And another question along those same lines, now that you're a mom, this question is even more appropriate for you. What do you, what would you tell someone who is getting their career started and also wanting a family? What's a good piece of advice for another woman on how to balance or or how to try to prioritize? So in the words of my therapist, um, the super mom does not exist. And I feel like women sometimes like to portray, especially on social media, that we have it all together, that you can have it all. But I, I don't really believe that that's the case. Um, I think it's 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 hard being a working mother. It really is. And I now know for the first time in my life why women sometimes say, hey, I'm not going to work. I'm just going to raise my babies. Um, so I think to just be kind to yourself and to realize that You still have as many hours in the day as you did before, but you have a lot more to do and your to-do list has changed and you need to be kind to yourself as you're working through that transition and to set your priorities different from day to day. Another good answer. Thank you, Carrie. Now let's tie those together. What we talked about as far as what you do for a living, being an ag lawyer and what you are experiencing in your personal life somewhat. What are some personal goals for you, not only in your job, but also in your personal life? And I know you talked about being the best mom you could be, but what else would you like to try to accomplish? Well, um, I really actually have a lot of goals when it comes to production agriculture. I mean, we were talking about a very small goal of mine is I'm trying to get certified in artificial insemination, but more of a long-term goal of mine when dealing with production agriculture is I'm trying to get more involved with my family's farm. I have been trying to sell beef direct to the consumer. That's one way that I'm becoming more involved. And, you know, as my family is beginning to have more serious conversations of like, what does this look like to perhaps transfer the management responsibilities to both my brother and I? Um, it's become very real that maybe in the next 10, 15, 20 years, I need to start taking gradually bigger and bigger roles in my own family farm operation. Carrie, is there anything else you would like to say that I didn't ask about? Oh, good question. So 
Um, nothing in particular. I feel I feel that as a woman involved in agriculture, it's important for people to understand to just paint your own path in life and to be your own person and to not let, you know, to, to be intimidated by any situation, you know, for, for example, I might be taking an artificial insemination class and I might be the only woman who signs up, but I'm going to take it and um, it's all going to be great. And so just to have that attitude that no matter what, what segment of the industry that you are interested in, there is a place for you at the table. All right. I want to thank my guest again for joining me here today, Carrie Rinker of Rinker Law. She is headquartered in Champaign, Illinois, but as she mentioned, she has offices in New York as well. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Ag Queen podcast with your host, Lori Boyer.